Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Elon Musk, of course, has been in the news. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to start a line of cologne called, like, Musk, Musk. by Elon. Mm-hmm. Right? surprised he has Something like that. And so all these people who are, who are blowing him now in the social media and all mm-hmm. the regular media, whatever, uh, so they can all smell like him, too. So it doesn't sound like you're a big fan. I, I, I mean, uh, I should preface this with, I have sort of fallen off of the, uh, the thing that, that people do, even though I'm a musician and uh, I'm a fan of many things. I'm a fan of, even before I was on the show, I was a fan of the show, many other different shows, podcasts and mm-hmm. radio programs and uh, many musicians and actors and stuff like that. But I'm slowly falling off the, I'm a fan of something, because I realize that these are just people. They're people, yeah. And so, uh, you the know, old I, statement: if you ever meet your heroes, they're bound to disappoint you. And and they do. Yeah. And so, like, I'm trying not. I'm proactively trying not to like worship celebrities. That's a terrible idea. And and that kind of a thing. So uh, that's what I see happening here with Elon. Everybody mm-hmm. wants somebody who's freedom oriented to sort of put on a pedal pedestal and do the things that nobody else is doing because he has the money to do it and all the that great kind of thing. man i did see the rundown of the ownership the top owners of twitter and it's like blackrock vanguard bank of america you know, really good helpful human friendly <laughs> companies right yeah. there's a ton of these like big banks big investment corporations that are involved new, new information came out today about the current board of directors of twitter showing that they own almost no stock like the entirety of the board of directors that explains so yeah. much they literally own like 0.71 percent in total, oh, gee, of the stock why of are you doing everything that, in your power to reduce the ability of this company to make of, money? Oh, because it doesn't hurt your bottom line. Yeah, yeah, to me that says something about their faith in Twitter as a company. Mm-hmm. You know, sure like, does. Like I'm going to own zero of this company that I'm on the board of. Right, and why are they on the board? What is their their real goal there? I mean, some people would say that Twitter isn't about making money; it's about controlling. It's about Absolutely. controlling people. Well, speech. I mean, it's a media company. Yeah, I mean, media does like. News uh, broadcasters are notorious for being uh, money sink. I mean, whether it's uh, newspapers, uh, uh, cable news channels, like they're just notorious for being that thing that like you lose millions of dollars. But if you're a rich person, you own it like, you know, in theory to like, you know, have a, a nice public image of like, see, I'm keeping the press free. But realistically, it's always been about control. We just played for you. A rambling clip of a woman named Mika. I don't honestly know what her last name is, but she's on a show on MSNBC, and I'm just going to play the uh, the relevant portion here where she's talking about she's talking about Elon Musk. That while unemployment and uh, the the economy worsens, he could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control uh, exactly what people think, and that is the that is our job. And that is, I mean, she says it all. She says it all. And that is our job. And she sounds angry about it, yeah. too. And, and that is our job. That is our job. <laughs> like, yep, it sure is. Like, that's why we're, that's why we're actually, like, happy about the fact that there's possibilities that aren't you. What she's, of course, implying, if not clearly stating, is that whoever does control the media controls what people think that's correct yeah yeah 
It's right out there for anybody to, to hear. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, to be fair, this is kind of a complicated subject because, like, it is equally true that, like, uh, potentially a an American businessman is going to give us free speech again. It is equally true that an American oligarch it. has taken control of the most powerful media corporation on mm. the planet and ten- and intends to unleash alt-right trolls. That's all true. Recently, I got back on Twitter because I was expanding my my social media presence with some crap that happened with MF Facebook MF or blow Bird. you out or something. No, no, no. They just well, it, that's a whole story for okay. another time. But um, so anyway, I joined Twitter again because I'm like, okay, supposedly they improved some stuff. You can post links and media, and, you know, blah blah blah, and you know, it's the 140 character thing is gone, and it's I don't know how many it is now, but it's definitely it's 280. Definitely fine uh, the way it is. What you can post, but it's still not enough. Oh my god, it's it's just it's worse. It's all the things I just complained about it the first time, except worse, right? Mm. So like when I follow somebody, it rarely sh- it takes a while for somebody that if I follow somebody today, it's gonna take a day, two days, whatever, before it shows me anything that that person actually tweeted. Uh, because it's busy showing me all the other stuff that I've followed and a whole bunch of ads and a whole bunch of because you liked this one tweet, we recommend these 70,000 other tweets for you or whatever <laughs> it is. And it's a list that's long. It gets in the way. It's cumbersome. Mm-hmm. I only use the web version because, no, I'm not downloading your app. Uh, I feel the same way about MF or Berg and his app as well. So I'm not. I only use the browser. And, oh, my God, it's just horrible to use. Well, I'm happy to say that social.freetalklive.com does not suffer from any of those problems. It does Captain. not. No, you don't get any uh, advertising. You don't get any you know, suggestions or anything like that as far as who you can follow. You can go and see who else is on the server and on your own volition follow them. I think I heard Conan talk about when he bought his not whatever, his 9% or whatever that he paid, what, 35 bucks a share or something? I'm not sure. That's a good he said on the Conan said on the show anyway. Oh yeah, that that sounds right because the price went up when he announced that he had purchased it. It jumped up like twenty five percent and went up to over forty dollars. Right, so but his offer sense. to buy Twitter is actually at a much higher rate per share. It's like you know if if it was thirty five, it's you know fifty five or whatever. It's fifty four twenty. So a good twenty bucks more than what he bought his own shares Correct. at. So he wants Twitter so badly that he is willing to pay the shareholders. Uh, more than what he himself paid per share. Well, I think he kind of has to in oh, order yeah, for that's, to that's kind of the idea. Take the the offer seriously, basically, uh, and put the board of directors in a situation where if they say no to it, it makes them look bad and might even expose them to legal liability if they don't take this deal. That's my understanding. Sounds like that's the effect it's having. Yeah, that's uh, and I mean he's alluded to like having other options. So uh, there's there's a, a real, plan B. He yeah, said. Yeah. So I mean. Th- it seems to me that among the options that he has is to like bring the board to court to say, "Hey, these people are are failing in their fiduciary responsibility." Like, and that's one of the weird things. Like, people are like, "Oh, the corporations got greedy," you know, implying that they weren't greedy before. Doesn't Twitter the the corporation have a responsibility to at least ask the shareholders if they would like to consider the offer? I don't know. That's a good question. Not sure how all that works. I, me neither. That's why I'm asking. I I don't, you know. I've obviously I'm obviously not a corporate owner. I don't know if a, the uh, yeah. I've never been involved in shareholding activities or whatever. I understand they do have shareholders meetings, but aren't those like once a year or something like that? Those 
They're not happening all the time, yeah. right? That's where they. That's where the shareholders would do something like vote for the board members, right? Right. And the idea is the board members then work in. Yeah, well, even by proxy, I mean, don't they have the responsibility to at least go to the board and go, "Hey, this guy said he'll give us forty-three billion." Yes. Yeah, they. I think they are going to have to get some sort of an answer from that board within a decent amount of time. Now, the board has apparently made some sort of a statement, but it hasn't been a yes or no, as I understand it. TechCrunch says that the board of directors has announced in a press release that the company is adopting a limited-duration shareholder rights plan, which is called a poison pill in merger and acquisition limbo. While the company doesn't name Elon Musk directly, Twitter is clearly trying to prevent the billionaire from buying the social network. Now, as we mentioned, Musk has purchased out in the marketplace uh, 9.2% of Twitter, and then he came in with an offer of $54.20 per share to buy up the rest of it, with the stock sitting at around 43 and change, I think. They say that the Twitter is now voting apparently unanimously. The board of directors has voted unanimously to adopt this policy, which allows shareholders to purchase additional shares at a discount if somebody purchases more than 15% stake in Twitter. So this doesn't seem to have any effect on Elon Musk's actual offer, because Elon Musk is saying, I want to buy the entire thing. Here's my offer. You guys have to say yes or no. And supposedly, according to what you said... This sounds like a no. It sounds like a no, but it's not an actual official response to his offer yet. This is just them saying, we're going to put this policy into place. Then maybe they'll say no, because they don't want Elon Musk to go out and be able to just buy up stock on the open market. Which, of course, would push the price up uh, more so than... Uh, than he wants to, I But suspect. I imagine, like, he could, right? If he made the right offer to the right people. He could. And he could, could acquire. He could probably easily buy, you know, 20 or 30% of it or well, something. Well, my first question is, A, how many people own 15% or more of Twitter? Oh, no one. Elon Musk is the number one individual stockholder and BlackRock, I think, or Vanguard is the, the right, number right. one okay. corporate okay. owner. Mm-hmm. And they only own, like, 10%. So Musk is at nine point something percent, and then the numbers go down from there. So no. Uh, my second does. question is, why is it fifteen percent instead of you know ten or twenty or whatever? There's a lot of people who have borrowed plenty of money to long on on Twitter shares because it's Twitter. Of course, they're going to keep making money. They're like you know the most. I don't powerful. think they've ever made money. Uh, well, when I you mean, actually look at, uh, from what I've understood about Twitter, they're one of those companies that's still in like the investment phase or whatever. They they still haven't figured out how to actually turn a profit. Well, I mean, when I say make money, I mean in their the share price psychotic increases. way of thinking of it. Saying. Yes, yeah. exactly. The, the share, of course, the shares are are going to go up. So there's plenty of people who have gone long, mm. who have borrowed money to go long on Twitter stocks. But part of those agreements is usually like, okay, but if it hits a certain point, liquidation, you owe me those Twitter stocks, mm-hmm. or, and you get liquidated. Yeah. So mm. like all of those people get liquidated, and then that brings the stock down, down. Wow. and then those people get liquidated so like mm. it's it's possible that he could 
completely destroy their company if this goes the wrong and way. And then he snatches it up for <laughs> pennies on the dollar compared to, you know, re- removes his original offer, uh, starts the process of the, the stock tumbling, and then comes in and, you know, snatches it up for a fraction of the original offer's price. And then he still gets all the benefits of the user base, which is what he wants, right? Mm-hmm. He yeah. wants the, the user base for whatever reason, all the data, all the info, that, like you were talking about, the, the fact that this is essentially something that could be somehow parlayed into an AI about how humans think. There's a lot of people who have borrowed plenty of money to long on on Twitter shares because it's Twitter. Of course, they're going to keep making money. They're like, you know, the most I don't powerful. think they've ever made money. Uh, well, when I you mean, actually look at uh, from what I've understood about Twitter, they're one of those companies that's still in like the investment phase or whatever. They, they still haven't figured out how to actually turn a profit. Well, I mean. When I say make money, I mean in their the share psychotic way of thinking of it. Saying. Yes, yeah. exactly. The, the share, of course, the shares are are going to go up. So there's plenty of people who have gone long, mm. who have borrowed money to go long on Twitter stocks. But part of those agreements is usually like, okay, but if it hits a certain point, liquidation, you owe me those Twitter stocks, mm-hmm. or, and you get liquidated. Yeah. So mm. like all of those people get liquidated, and then that brings the stock down, down. Wow. and then those people get liquidated so like Mm. it's it's possible that he could completely destroy their company if this goes the wrong way and then he snatches it up for (laughs) pennies on the dollar compared to you know removes his original offer uh starts the process of the the stock tumbling and then comes in and you know snatches it up for a fraction of the original offer's price and then he still gets all the benefits of the user base which is what he wants right Mm -hmm. he wants the the user base for whatever reason all the data all the info like you were talking about the the fact that this is essentially something that could be somehow part laid into an ai about how humans think how are you being censored what does that have to do with gag orders and the aclu what's going on here with well, the, well, because I had I had a clear cut case for a lawsuit on all these uh, the false gun charge on my ex and over 20 something dismissed charges going in and out of court with the video cameras of all the pullovers. 50-something tickets. You're saying you personally were pulled over multiple times. You were uh, yes. falsely charged with some sort of gun-related yes. quote-unquote crime? No, not not me. My my wife was falsely charged with uh, with a gun, but it was dismissed. It was investigated by Attorney General, okay. and he dismissed it. But I put that along with my case, and they uh, they broke in my house in 2010-11 because his name was on that deposition. Attorney General investigated and found out it was false. Whose name? Hold so on. I put that along with my Who- case. Whose name was on a deposition? Uh, well, there was a detective. Uh, his name was on that on that on that deposition, and uh, the two rookies that came out there, it wasn't them that did it. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna see was, if I'm uh, following you because it's very difficult. Uh, you're saying that you were charged with a bunch of stuff. You brought a case against them, and then they came to your house. Is that right? No, they didn't come. They, they didn't come when I was here. They broke in when I wasn't home. I'm almost curious, why does the government make some plants illegal, for example, psilocybin mushrooms, but doesn't really care about cannabis? Mushrooms aren't technically a plant. They're a fungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get I get your point. Uh, why don't Why do they make some things illegal? But well, they certainly cared Shouldn't about nature. Be legal? Yeah, all nature should be legal. But they certainly did care about cannabis in the past, Sam. Oh yeah. Uh, they put a lot but of people in prison for that. At this point, do they really? Hmm. 
I mean, at this point, do they really still care at all? It depends. If you're in Louisiana, you better believe it. You're going to prison. Uh, If you are in uh, Washington State, however, and you have some number of, uh, you know, quarters of cannabis, you probably are As long as you don't grow too many plants. And and let me just remind all of our listeners that just because you're in a state that may have, say, recreational Mm -hmm. cannabis legalized, it is still illegal at the federal level. So at any time, the federal government can be like, hey, uh, we're going to raid you because we think you got some plants. Yeah, they could do that. That's totally possible. because And and the state could raid you as well if you have plants without asking permission. Right. Well, and one of the reasons... How many times has the feds raided people for having plants even though the state said you could? I don't know. I think the feds have done uh, pretty much hands-off with the states that have legalized cannabis for the most part. People do not have a problem with cannabis. We don't yes. care. Yeah. We, it doesn't bother us. Like a lot of, uh, in general, it doesn't bother people. And the people that think about it at all are incredibly in favor of it. But what this shows you is that they do not answer to us. They're making money off of these things being illegal. And no matter how much we want them to be legal because we accept them in our culture, they're not going to answer to us. Yeah, it's a myth. We Of the people, for the people, by the people, it's a myth. Sam, anything else isn't you want to share? Almost, isn't it almost like by the bankers for the bankers? Yeah, I mean, for the most part. But I mean, the pharmaceutical industry certainly is influential, uh, as well as the military-industrial complex. There's there's mm-hmm. a few different complexes out well, there that and, the government loves. And I mean, it's it's almost impossible to extract these. So, like, uh, you might not think that, say, uh, the military-industrial complex has anything to do with big pharma, but the fact of the matter is that they are both. They're both oil companies. Petrochemicals are used to create pharmaceuticals. Petrochemicals are also used to uh, run all of the the machines of death that we send to the various parts of oh. the world to murder people. So, and and of course, banking is behind all of it. Like they they have their hands in every part of those processes. The title here at Politico: How magic mushrooms could follow in the footsteps of cannabis and arguably already are. Uh, They point out a growing number of states are considering bills to expand research or access to the drugs. Turns out marijuana really is a gateway drug for America's state houses anyway. A movement to decriminalize or legalize psychedelic substances such as magic mushrooms is being driven by the same playbook that helped Americans not only destigmatize but politically embrace cannabis over the past decade. And it's more like the past four decades, but who's counting? Uh, And much like the changing attitudes towards marijuana use, national research and personal stories, particularly from military veterans, are convincing some lawmakers to rethink longstanding prohibitions on these drugs. So one thing I wanted to point out about... uh about all of this. So like uh, during this whole covid crisis thing, one of the big things that we saw is like we had these effective treatments. OK, like not for effective for everybody, but like there's plenty of research behind them. Safe treatments that aren't going to harm people. You and, about like ivermectin. Yeah, or? exactly. Ivermectin, uh, 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 hydroxychloroquine, mm-hmm. like uh, ivermectin, especially like it's really, really safe. Like even if it doesn't help you, it's not going to do you any harm. OK, so well, like we have these safe like actual safe actual mostly effective yeah uh, and those get pushed aside because those there's no patent on those and there's no money there for right there's no money to be made for the pharmaceutical companies for those and that is a big part of why these are kept illegal any fine for holding on to something that occurs naturally 
is horrible. I get you, Captain, but it's way better than a felony charge. I'm, I right? said it was an improvement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually spoke at the this bill in front of the, uh, the State House committee that heard it, the Criminal Justice Committee. Bonnie uh, spoke on this as well. Right, and because of her, she, what's it called? She's Matt? involved with decriminalized, decriminalized nature, nature. Yes, which is a, a good organization that actually argues for a lot of this kind of stuff. Although they do not want to see regulations, they don't want to see government taxing these things. They don't want to yeah. see ownership of mushrooms per se, as far as patenting or anything like that. So I really, really like what I hear from the folks over uh, at decriminalized nature. But one of the points I made to the the committee and. I guess it fell on deaf ears because they mostly voted against the, the bill. Uh, but the point I made to the committee was, hey, you guys need to catch up to the New Hampshire Supreme Court. In December of 2020, I believe it was, the New Hampshire Supreme Court ruled in a case where a man had been caught for growing mushrooms mm. and charged with whatever felony count of manufacture or possession. Maybe it wasn't growing. Maybe he just had them. But anyway, felony count of mushroom possession. And uh, convicted, of course, at the the lower court, went to sent to prison, and he appealed. And the New Hampshire Supreme Court ruled unanimously that that case needed to be overturned. Back in the seventies, one of the tobacco companies trademarked the name Acapulco Gold. Mm-hmm. I know they can't trademark the product, but they did try to trademark the name. Is that actually um, true, or is that just? I've heard that story too. And I just I don't, don't know. know. I'd be surprised it, it, if they tried, but I would be surprised if it succeeded. It, it could just be one of those crazy social rumors, who yeah. knows? Um, but uh, anyway, you guys were talking about the medical and the uh, religious twists on all this, mm-hmm. and uh, I was wondering if they made any headway on uh, peyote, being as how there's a whole tribe of the Apaches named after the Mescalero Apache. Well, I think that that same argument would probably work in New Hampshire, where, again, the uh, Supreme Court of New Hampshire voted unanimously to overturn a man's conviction who was a member of the Oklavoya Native American Church that believes in the use of psychedelics for visionary spiritual experiences. And so if you could make the same claim about peyote, which I think would be relatively simple to do, I would predict you'd also have similar success. You just have to well, be willing to get arrested first and you know go to jail for well, a while. Well, I do know for a fact that in uh, Colorado and Washington at least, and I assume other places, I know for a fact that there are multiple uh, churches that still take peyote as a sacrament. We have all of these human beings that we took all of this time to turn them into killers, which is not easy to do because mm. human beings in general basically don't like killing each other. Yeah. We're, it's just not how we're built. We don't like it. But you can turn a human being into a killer. And we take zero time turning them from a killer back into a human being, yeah. which is a far more difficult process. So you have all of these people who are, have been broken and like by the, the belief system of most people, they've been broken in service of your defense. It's about the incentives, right? They, there's no incentive to turn these people back into human beings after they turn them into killing machines. There's right. no incentive for the pharmaceutical uh, companies to to cure you because all of the incentive is in creating a lifetime customer exactly yep. and so until the incentives change and most of these incentives are of a direct result of statism right until yep. the incentives change ain't nothing going to change you know science isn't going to be about finding the cure to a thing 
Well, it, and and a big part of that comes down to like it is localized versus generalized incentives. Like I have an incentive for these people to become sane, healthy, happy members of yes. society. It would definitely benefit me. It's not necessarily a mistake. I'm not saying you were wrong. The tolerance, however, you can't, you know, take psilocybin in one sitting and then go and take some more later on that day and get the same effect. It doesn't work that way as a lot of pharmaceuticals do. Uh, I'm a disabled vet, and me and a bunch of my veteran brothers, we tend to have what we call the tea party or, you know, a great reset because we're resetting our minds and getting all that straightened out. And it also has great, great benefits, you know, as far as dealing with PTSD. Um, it's, it's a great fungus and it has helped me immensely with dealing with the stuff that I dealt with, you know, being in Iraq in 2003 during the invasion and then going back in another year after that. So it, it definitely has its medicinal benefits. And as far as Russia and Ukraine, I really think this is stupid what the, the West is doing and Putin is just being what or doing what kings and queens have done in the past and retaking their land. I'm not saying Putin's right, but I think what we're doing getting into this is a big mistake. Words of wisdom. Anybody who can do a search online can go look up the facts and figures and the number of deaths yeah. and the number of crime, all that, all the statistics you want. You can go and research about psilocybin, about marijuana, about any drug you want, and you can go find out everything you need to know and form an opinion about it. The overwhelming amount of people who do that go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. It, it it's fine. The only guy who spoke against the decriminalization bill here in New Hampshire was from the state police. Surprise. And of course, they want to keep their power. Uh, existing research shows these drugs are quite safe in certain respects. The risk of fatal overdose or addiction is very small compared to other substances such as heroin or even alcohol. But just like cannabis, psychedelic substances aren't harmless. There are stories, though very few, of people becoming dependent or even dying after consuming these substances. But again, uh, you're really talking about no more than a handful. There's, you basically cannot die. I mean, if you jump off a building or something like that, you might. But from actually taking mushrooms, you cannot have like an actual death from an overdose, as I understand it. They're considered the safest. If you look at the uh, Professor David Nutt with two T's, he's was the original drug czar uh, originally like know, 15 years ago in the UK. He, I believe, quit his job and turned to the side of good and did a lot of research and published this list of all of the drugs out there, basically, that people use. And... Psychedelic mushrooms were at the bottom of the list as far as danger to the user and danger to society. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.